Welcome to Face Your Faith. I hope that this topic study will help you grow deeply in your relationship with God, to be fearless in your faith, and to present others the Word of God in freedom and in peace. Today we will be discussing spiritual warfare and what it looks like in the life of a Christian. This will be a two-part series, and I hope you enjoy our journey through Scripture on this very real and serious topic. At this point, I encourage you to put aside anything that is a distraction or requires your attention, yes, including your Bible, and just sit back and listen. Most of us, no matter how good we think we are at multitasking, miss a great deal of God's Word when we're busy doing anything else. Remember, you can always go back and listen again and take notes along with your Bible in hand. And with that, let's get started. We all certainly know what war looks like, and we see it regularly in the news and hear about war on various levels and throughout the various time periods, world wars, gang wars, drug wars, and religious wars, etc. But what does spiritual war look like? Let's first look at the definition of war. The dictionary says war is an organized effort by a government or other large organization to stop or defeat something that is viewed as dangerous or bad. Doesn't this definition precisely describe Satan with God and those who believe? Satan has a very large organization staffed by a third of the angels who followed him from heaven. Satan is out to stop and defeat God and those who follow Jesus because God and his followers are viewed as dangerous and bad. Doesn't this also sound exactly like much of the world's population right now toward God and Christ and his followers? The second definition is just as compelling and says, a state or period of fighting between countries or groups. Again, how fitting, because God has made it very clear to us in his word that this war with Satan and the world is only for a period of time. This war will come to an end, and incredibly, we already know the outcome. The enemy and his followers will, in the end, be footstools of Jesus. Isn't it amazing, profound, and absolutely exciting news to know this? How, then, can believers walk around gloomy about what is taking place right now? The spiritual war has already been won. As we clearly see, just dictionary definitions alone magnificently explain the foundations of war, whether worldly or spiritual, and bring us to a much better understanding of where our topic will take us. Let's start in by recognizing that spiritual warfare is nothing new. In fact, the first war in the universe started in heaven and was a truly spectacular cosmic war. And we get to see this war vividly described in the Bible. Let's listen. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. 
Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of the Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuse them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken care of for a time, times and a half a time, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. Revelation 12, 1-17 This is absolutely spectacular. How often do you reflect on this war when you are being tempted by Satan? If he was brazen enough, if Satan was brazen enough to carry this out in heaven against God, what more is he willing and currently attempting to do here on earth with you, with all believers, right this second, even as we are going through this study? As I read this passage several times through, I thought about a bee that gets in your face for no apparent reason, and as soon as you retaliate with a swat of your hand, it gets mad, even more aggressive, and it wants nothing more than a sting of revenge. Inasmuch, God swatted Satan from heaven to earth, and Satan is now enraged. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. As we can see from the passage, Satan first attempted to get rid of the church right out of the gate. He wanted to put an end to any possibility of any human receiving a safe haven in Christ. Satan knew, as indicated by the passage, he, Satan, knew that his time was short. We can be certain Satan is going to use his time very wisely, every second of his freedom on this earth. Now, Satan is here on earth, angry, defiant, and vengeful. Satan hates anyone who acknowledges God and Jesus as supreme, and he will stop at nothing to ruin your life. Now, let's move on from the cosmic heavenly war to our current universal global war. This war started on earth as revenge against God for kicking Satan and his angel followers out of heaven. And the terrorism began with the first two people in the cosmos, Adam and Eve. As we know all too well, they unfortunately lost that war within moments of its starting. And this war with Adam and Eve, however, didn't even start out as a physical war, just a war of simple words that ended up one second to the next, the most physical, painful, deadliest, and longest war in human existence. Think about it. All life, everything that God made in perfection was ruined. 
and has remained that way until this very day. That seems incomprehensible that thousands of years, this ceaseless global war causing chaos and mass deaths has ensued because of an attempted power play in heaven and a simple conversation and a bite of fruit. But doesn't that show us that the war we live in on a second-by-second -second basis is led by the greatest mastermind of warfare who will ever exist? In fact, Satan is so excellent at what he does, we often get roped into the war by his schemes without notice. Genesis 3, 1 through 21, gives us a very up-close look at this war. We also see here that we as humans stink at doing battle, and worse yet, we rarely have any solid plans in place when a war does break out. Let's hear this exchange of words between Satan and Eve. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the, any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. That is certainly a story of true warfare. A war of words. And don't forget, Adam and Eve were the first and closest people to God himself and had everything, perfection, and they crashed and burned. We can't even fathom what that must have looked like. What does perfect look like? And how could you want more? I certainly would never be so stupid as to go that far, would I? Would you? Absolutely we would, because we have and we do this every single day, and usually many times a day. We have conversations just like Adam and Eve, and we pick and eat fruit all day long. In fact, we are often stuffed at the end of the day from all the fruit we pick and eat. Here, however, is the real picture of this war. No one ever forced Adam and Eve to engage in the war, and no one has ever forced you and I to engage in this war. Did anyone make it mandatory that you do wrong? Did anyone tell you to steal, lie, kill, hate, hurt, destroy? We certainly can't say the devil made me do it. That's actually insulting to the devil. He hasn't made anyone do anything, not even Adam and Eve. Satan only made suggestions, asked questions as to whether or not it really was a bad idea to see a different point of view, and wanted to make sure we were aware that God just might be holding out on us, not giving us the full story we naturally deserve. That's it. That's all he did. But that's all it takes when you are unprepared for war. Isn't that exactly how we get in trouble all day long? Hearing the questions, doubting what we know to be God-honoring, 
And we take the bite which causes chaos and destruction and death and misery for not only ourselves, but for many around us, and often involves people who have nothing to do with the situation. Completely innocent bystanders, we have all created that mayhem on a global scale and continue in that path every day of our lives. This is true warfare, and we are called to stand strong in this war, fully prepared and fully convinced that we, with God, will prevail, no matter how bad it ever gets in this world. Just as Satan was defeated in heaven, as we read in Revelation, because he was too weak, so he is still too weak to destroy those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior and have been given the promised refuge in safety. This concludes part one of Spiritual Warfare. I hope you will finish part two of this series where we will discuss the daily repercussions of Satan's revenge and how we are to conquer temptation in Christ.